Welcome to another SustainableWineBlog.com podcast with me, Toby Webb. And joining me in this particular podcast is Matea Gravner, who is daughter of Josko Gravner. Uh, I would say Josko is a, a cult winemaker. Is that fair to say, Matea? How would, how would people describe your father and, and your work in wine? You're, you're one of those small cult wineries here in northeast Italy. Um, how would you describe yourselves? Oh, thank you. This is uh, really a, a difficult question to, uh, to answer. Um, we try to do our best with what we have. What we understood many years ago that uh, the point was not producing a lot of grapes and wines, but producing high quality grapes. And since we eat at always a lot of grapes, we understood that spraying them and eating them we were just poisoning ourselves, which is quite stupid to do. And for this reason, we started uh, not using, or we uh, first reduce and then uh, we took away all the chemicals. And uh, what we made then in the vineyards was to reduce the impact of the monoculture. Of course, we produce wines, which means we need grapes, but we believe it's important to produce them in a sustainable way. It's not only for the environment, it's not only for the humans, it's even for grapes. The better, in better condition are the vineyard and the grapes, then better the grapes evolve and easier is then to have a high quality uh, wine. What we made was we understood that we had less and less birds. Uh, so we introduced artificial nest because we cleaned so much the environment that the birds, they had no possibility to build their own nest. Wow. And, uh, and what kind of birds are they? We started with um, the, the birds they used to live here mm -hmm. in, uh, in the past. And it's nice because in the last uh, few years, even the uh, elderly people in the village have seen that some of birds we we have back were missed here for 50, 60 years. Um, well, and they're all coming back because of your approach to biodynamic farming. Um, we we don't know exactly what the <laughs> combination because for sure they they come back because they have the possibility to they, they have a place where they can survive. Uh, we don't use any chemicals, so they can uh, they find a lot of insects of mosquitoes. We in every vineyard we introduce uh, an artificial pond, so they have water. Uh, they can uh, drink, they can eat, they can take a bath. Mm -hmm. So it's a good environment even for them. Uh, many producers are scared about birds because they say they eat grapes. In our experience, not exactly like this, because they eat grapes when they are thirsty, not because they are hungry. So once they have water, the artificial pond, yeah. they don't need to eat grapes. Well, that's um, fascinating. So I'd like to come back to yes. your biodynamic approach uh, a bit later in the interview. But for those listeners who don't know Gravner, um, tell us how much land you've got uh, and which grapes you're using and, and how many different wines you make and maybe after that you can tell us a bit about the history of the, the vineyard the okay uh, we are right on the border between italy and slovenia 
Some of our vineyards are on Italian side, some on Slovenian. This hasn't been our choice. Just after the Second War, when the last border was signed, some of our field was on the Italian, some at the time Yugoslavian, nowadays Slovenian part. Uh, we work on 15 hectares. The production is between 25 and 34,000 bottles, depending on the vintage. Uh, we are very concentrated about local varieties. Uh, until 2012, we used to produce even some white inter international white varieties. They were Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, and uh, Riesling Italico Welsh Riesling. From 2013, we only produce uh, Ribolla for the white varieties. We still have a small vineyard planted in 67 with Merlot and a little bit of Cabernet Franc. Uh, no, sorry, Cabernet Sauvignon. And, um, but uh, the rest of the red uh, wine, the red grapes is uh, Pignolo. So in the future, we will only produce Ribolla and Pignolo. And tell us a bit more about Pignolo, because that's the wine I'm just sipping now, <laughs> which is a fascinating wine. I mean, it's the vintage here is 2005, and wow, it's got a real tannic backbone. Um, it's an interesting wine. It is. It's a, it's a variety. It's a grape which was almost uh, forgotten, even in Friuli. Uh, it's um, a variety which has never been deeply selected, so it's quite easy to have in the same vineyard completely different vines. Uh, it's uh, not um, very productive, or better, the wine which produced this year will not produce grapes next year and sometimes even the third year. So you have a production every second, third year. Uh, the berries are very small, little, so a lot of skins compared to the juice. It's a wine um, which needs at least six to eight, sometimes even ten years before you can approach it. It's very, very rich in tannins, as you, uh, as you tasted, as you uh, said, but uh, they are elegant and um, nice tannins, yeah, only the quantity is very important. just had another sip when you said that. They're incredibly fine tannins. You can't feel an individual one on them, on, on your mouth. It's yeah, it's a very, you're right, very fine tannin wine. It's very interesting. And, and they say that wine, some grapes with higher tannins have more phenolic compounds. Like, you know, for example, Madiran, Malbec, are yeah, supposed to have better health properties. Do you uh, think this grape has a similar... A similar I never makeup? thought about this because we just like it. And <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe it does. Yeah. Thick-skinned grapes are supposed to have the highest antioxidants, that's what they say. Yes. So, okay, you're, you're using local varietals, fascinating wines. I mean, we've tried here your uh, Bianco Breg, and your 2008, and your 09 Ribolla, which are very different, and I commend listeners to, uh, to these wines. Uh, you should try them. They're unique and fascinating. I've never had anything quite like them. They're elements of sherry, but a much fruitier, much lighter touch. Wonderful finish, totally unique. So you're making these fascinating wines, Matteo. Uh, tell us about the, the biodynamic process that you use, because some of biodynamics is, is science, and some of it is slightly weird mysticism. Or which, which uh, esoterism, you, too. <laughs> yeah, which, so which bits are you using? Uh, we think that they are combined, so it's impossible to use one forgetting the other one. 
uh, the, the, the other part. So we believe that biodynamics works if you believe it. Uh, so it's not only the scientific approach, but it's even believing something can work, something can happen. So uh, often customers are scared about biodynamic, uh, the, the biodynamic produ uh, production because the esoterical part seems to be that important, that big, that it's... Uh, not everyone feels comfortable with this part. But we believe it's just a way to reduce the impact we have to the environment. And for this reason, we, we want to do this, because we believe as farmers, the most important thing we have to do is to preserve the environment. If we are not able to do this, who should do it? We can't ask these uh, people living in towns. Yeah. People living and working on the soil, on fields, should uh, manage it, ma manage this part. So we believe the biodynamical production, biodynamical way of production is a way to reduce the impact we have to the to the environment. So, so, so how far do you take it? I mean, because there are certain elements of biodynamics that make a lot of scientific sense to me. You know? The bird example you mentioned earlier, that makes perfect sense. You know, use one species to help keep another species in check. The preparations make sense to me, the, the lack of chemical usage, the, um, the, the more natural approach to farming, which gives you higher acidity, all of that makes sense. But then you get the whole kind of fruit day, flower day, picking your grapes at two o'clock in the morning. You know, how far do you take it? Here? So uh, there are some works we always do following the moon calendar, or, you know, it's called moon, but all the planets have yeah. a big influence. Uh, so there are some things we always do following the calendar. Uh, they are always the work we do in the cellar. Having a roof, it's very helpful. In vineyard, there are some work we always do following the, um, the moon. Some other, uh, sometimes we have to accept not to follow the moon. Like if we have a rainy vintage or a rainy harvest, uh, sometimes we accept to uh, to harvest grapes even in a not perfect moon day. Um, so you take it very seriously. You go in the whole calendar. Yes. Do you pick in the middle of the night? Night? No, no, not in this way. Um, we even because the the period is not so short that you can't get organized. Yeah. Uh, so if necessary, we uh, we can have a few people more and yeah. being a bigger group. Harvesting, yeah. so you can. Okay. Um, and is our uh, biodynamic approaches reducing your yield further? Because I imagine your yield is quite small anyway per per vine, probably less than a bottle of vine. I'm guessing. Uh, we we need three vines for a bottle oh, for wow, producing okay. a wine. Yeah. So um, has biodynamics reduced that further, or is it? No, this was seven? even no. This, this was even before. Because what we want to have when we harvest is perfectly ripe grapes. So we use, often harvest quite late, or what what's supposed to be late, but was in the past normal. Mm -hmm. uh, we never harvest before October. So in October, the grapes are perfectly ripe. And um, sometimes before October, the weather conditions are not perfect. So sometimes we lose uh, a part of our grapes mm -hmm. white for the perfect um, ripening, but what's the point in harvesting grapes that are not ripe? 
just to preserve the quantity. Yeah. We often forget that we don't drink uh, wines by bottle or by cases. We drink wine glass by glass. Mm. So it's better to have a glass less, yeah. but a good one. Yeah, or you could just do what other people do and pick on the right grapes and then you add sugar. Or you, or you need some chemicals. <laughs> yeah, uh, the problem is that this is a very... We believe this is not an ethical approach because um, once you start adding, adding things apart from sugar, but if you start using uh, some chemical products to help your wine to become a wine, uh, you reduce the risk the producer mm. has or should have because you, it, the risk is connected to, to your work and you put your risk on the cost, the customer, yeah. because sometimes they don't know anything. That's very and true, yeah, that's very true. I was in the US recently, and there's a wine they sell in America called Two Buck Chuck, and it's two dollars for a bottle of wine, and it has up to 40 additional additives in the wine, and I bought it because I, I wanted to see just how oh, bad You don't this love yourself so, that much. <laughs> no, no, I had like, that much. Okay. You know, no, no, much. you have to taste, but you have to know what and, you... And, and how you, you know, been tasting good wines for the last five years. I, I didn't recognize it as wine. It didn't taste like wine to me. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever had. Um, so, yes, I, I, I see what you mean with the, the point about additives. Um, let me ask you about biodynamics yes. here again because the last interview I did bef before I was at, at Radicom just now was with uh, Andrea, Andrea Fernandez okay. and, and he said you know biodynamics isn't possible here we have too much rain it's too difficult but then he has 120 hectares of, of I think it's 120 um, you have a lot less yes so is it a question of you can do it if you've got 10, 20 hectares, and you can't do it if you've got 120. Uh, no, I, I think you can do it in a serious way if you have a certain amount of fields. Um, we, we are preparing some new vineyard, but we believe that uh, more than 16, 18 hectares would be impossible for us to manage. Uh, there are some farmers or some producers, they have a bigger extension, but it's true, it's very difficult to organize a biological or biodynamical production in, on 120 hectares. I don't think it's impossible to do this. Here we have, oh, we believe we have very good condition, meteor condition, apart from some some vintages, some years, but in average we have a good amount of, uh, of rain, uh, we have uh, dry, uh, hot summers, so it's not that difficult. The problem is what you want to do. If you decide to do, you are able to manage it. Uh, we are not the northern part of Europe or of the world mm. having grapes. I think in Champagne it's much more difficult. Yeah, so, and they have biodynamic and they have. champagne in, in that region. Fleury yes. And, and others make great, and great wine. So I think it's really a matter of what you decide to do in your life. Mm -hmm. Of course, 
you you need more people in work, uh, more workers. You you need high specialized people. Uh, you have higher cost. You, the risk is higher. Mm. But I don't need to drive a Ferrari in my vineyards. <laughs> so I it's really what you decide what you want to be. We believe it's much more important to give a wine or a product to other people which is which can't damage them in any way. Uh, which doesn't mean with 120 hectares you are uh, a criminal. You are just producing a different kind of wine. I think the most important thing would be that customers should understand this. Not they don't have to buy their wines, just be aware and be well informed about what you want to have. There are some people, they don't want to spend more than two dollars or two euros for a wine, mm. or a bottle of wine. There are some people, they prefer having just a bottle of wine per week, but this one has to be very good. Very good doesn't mean very expensive, but well made. Wine has alcohol. Alcohol is always dangerous for us. But if you don't filter the wine, if the, there are no additive, if everything is made well, the, even a glass of wine is something good for you. So there are more and more people that care about this and these people don't care about 50 cents less or more. Of course, this doesn't mean they, uh, they don't care about how much it costs but they understand the cost and, uh, how, uh, and the, how expensive a wine is, is even thought about how much work is behind, how, how much time I have to wait. Uh, it's like asking about uh, biological tomatoes for Christmas. Okay, now our area is not the best uh, period for tomatoes mm -hmm. so um, but I think this is coming it's um, and would you call a final question um, would you call your wines natural wines do you call yourselves a natural winemakers because there's a lot of opposition to that term a lot of winemakers get very angry about this natural wine movement uh, what, what are your views but I think it's very stupid to argue about this thing or better if you have time to get crazy about the name uh, I am very jealous because I don't have all this free time. We believe that wine should be natural. Natural means with uh, no additive, made in, uh, with no chemicals. The problem is wines made with additives, made with chemicals, shouldn't be called wine. But you do use copper and sulfur. Yes. Yeah, so that's the same as biodynamic or yes. even some organic, really. So yes. Everyone's, everyone who's kind of hardcore organic or biodynamic or natural is still using copper and sulfur because you can't make wine without it. So, it's true. Yeah. So it's just a different name for kind of the same things in some ways. Yes, but often these different names, different uh, classification just made the customer confused because for them it's not always easy to understand what we are speaking about. I think we should be much... Uh, we, we should reduce the words we use and use only the things that are true.
Great. Well, thank you, Matteo. That's a great place to end the interview. Thank you so much for your time and your hospitality. Today. Thank you for coming. Thank you.